folks welcome to the first ever edition of the tinseltown thunderdome each episode we pick a single category such as a genre franchise or director and then have the top movies from that category square off in a deathmatch tournament to see which film emerges the lone champion this episode we toss the best of the james bond franchise into the thunderdome as many of you already know the new installment of the james bond series no time to die is currently set to be released early this April. But honestly, who knows these days? Allow me the pleasure of introducing you to the rest of the crew that will judge the cinematic bloodbath. In honor of the late, great Billy Wilder, the three of us tackle films from rather different perspectives. We have our resident psychoanalyst, Matt. How you doing? Welcome, everyone. I, of course, am the panel's sycophant, most people call me Cameron. And last but not least is Aaron, our resident bastard. That's me. For all our new listeners, a quick note about this series of grudge matches. We will start with the top eight Bond films, rank ordered based on the average of their Rotten Tomatoes percentages and their INDB scores. We then use that seating to pit the movies against each other in a March Madness style tournament. 1v8, 2v7, and so on, in a flash quarterfinals round where the three of us take a quick vote to dispatch with the films that are weighed and found wanting. After the first round, we'll take a moment to mourn the movies that didn't survive. The victors then move on to the round of four, where we debate the films as they square off to see which two will make it to the final throwdown. The last movie standing is crowned the champion of the James Bond canon. And since there are three of us, we'll never have a tie. Well, the longest running film series of all time offers fertile ground for a vicious series of death matches. Ian Fleming's spy creation is anachronistic, frequently sexist, rarely serious, very British, and always white and male, at least so far. He never fails to serve Her Majesty well with his superheroic spy skills and zany gadgets, as well as plenty of one-liners and one-night stands along the way. But that intro hardly does justice to this timeless character of Silver Screen. Thanks, Aaron. Matt uh, will introduce us to each film individually. We have our eight films, starting with the eight seed, GoldenEye. A secret Russian space-based weapons program known as GoldenEye is stolen. James Bond sets out to stop a crime syndicate from using the weapon. The 17th Bond film, starring Pierce Brosnan and released in 1995. Seventh Seed, The Spy Who Loved Me. James Bond, with the help of a KGB agent, fends off the iconic villain Jaws as he investigates the hijacking of British and Russian submarines carrying nuclear warheads. The Tenth Bond film, starring Roger Moore and released in 1977. Our Sixth Seed, Thunderball. James Bond hurries to the Bahamas to recover two nuclear warheads stolen by Spectre, Agent Emilio Largo, a.k.a. Number 2 who is threatening a nuclear attack as part of an international extortion scheme 
The fourth Bond film, starring Sean Connery, released in 1965. Fifth seed is Dr. No. James Bond investigates a case involving the disappearance of an MI6 station chief in Jamaica and the disruption of an American space program. The first Bond film, starring Sean Connery, released in 1962. Coming in at four is Skyfall. 007's loyalty to M is tested when her past comes back to haunt her. When MI6 comes under attack, Bond must track down and destroy the threat, no matter how personal the cost. The 23rd Bond film, starring Daniel Craig and released in 2012. Our third seat is From Russia with Love. Bond walks eyes and fly open into a honeypot scheme with a beautiful Soviet spy set up by the evil criminal organization Spectre to steal a Soviet encryption machine. The second Bond film starring Sean Connery and released in 1963. And number two is Casino Royale. In this reboot, Bond earns his double O status and a license to kill. Bond's first mission sees him enter in, into a high-stakes poker tournament organized by a sinister private banker seeking to recoup money he lost in an earlier scam foiled by Bond. The 21st Bond film starring Daniel Craig and released in 2006. And coming in at number one, you guessed it, Goldfinger. James Bond tangles with a gold magnet who has nefarious designs on Fort Knox and countless innocent bystanders. The third Bond film starring Sean Connery and released in 1964. Sweet. Thank you guys for that intro. And I hope it gives the audience a good sense of what we're about to tackle here. Now we are at the flash voting round. This is the first round of the Thunderdome where we dispense with four films um, and move on to the round of four. So <laughs> I'm nervous. First matchup. We let's, you know, let's, let's, let's change it up. Even though our first episode, we can't change it up, <laughs> but <laughs> let's, let's start with four V five. All right. Uh, 4v5. Who we got? Who do we have at 4v5 again? Skyfall and Dr. No. Skyfall and Dr. No. So, Matt, who you got? No. Dr. Dr. No. no. Okay. Okay. Wow. I, right. I and Aaron, what you got? Skyfall. Okay. Okay. I, I, I too have Skyfall. Oh, I, I like, I like the vote. I making like the war vote on the Matt. past. Is that how it's going to be? <laughs> We're, we're going to make Bond great again here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're at 3v6. Who we got at 3v6? Help me Russia with Love versus Thunderball. From Russia with Love with Thunderball. Okay, Aaron, you start us off this time. Yeah, this was super tough. From Russia with Love. Nice, nice. Matt, what you got? Thunderball. Ooh. Thunderball. Okay. I will also be going with From Russia with Love. Oh man. Matt, off to a bad star. We're we are already enemies. Okay. <laughs> so now we've got 2v7. This is uh Casino Royale versus the spy who loved me. Excellent. Okay, Matt, who you got? Casino Royale. Yeah, Excellent. it's Casino Royale. <laughs> Nice. I, I too have Casino Royale as a pretty no-brainer there. All right. It's not a no-brainer. It's not. We'll get into that though. Well, <laughs> not a no-brainer. Not a no-brainer, but it was a it, I should have said I love me. Unanimous. We'll we'll get some we'll get some love. Unanimous. Right. Unanimous. At I, least I, you, you can you, you can probably get all the all the golds here for one V eight. So all right, all right. One I think this is hard actually. Who we got? Matt. Goldfinger. I also have Goldfinger. I have Goldfinger as well. Okay. I don't think 
For me, that doesn't come as a surprise. The last two spots. Okay, now this is where we get to our mourning stage. Do you guys want to mourn any of these films? Not even just these films, but any other Bond films that weren't even in in discussion. Oh, man, there's so many. I'm going to be super fast because I feel like in our test episodes, I was too long in the lamentation. So I just want to say, Goldeneye, what a fantastic way to save the Bond franchise. Like that alone is incredible. It deserves a lot. And it was an excellent homage to classic Bond. Spy Who Loved Me, no better Roger Moore flick. The setting is incredible. The like intrigue with the KGB agent. Like there's a kind of actual passion there. It, I don't know. It's really it's a fun. It's a really fun movie. It's, it's, yeah. It, there's so I, much there. Having lived in Egypt, I mean, I love the Egypt stuff. It's like an advertisement for the Ministry of Tourism. But you have oh. Richard Keel, uh, you know, you are, uh, his name Jaws. I mean, the later Jaws, famous and happy. One, one of the best villains. Yeah. Yes. And, and Thunderball. Thunderball. Actually, that was ah, my this. toughest call. From Russia with Love, the Thunderball. Honestly, I, it could have gone either way. The only thing that tipped me over the edge for from Russia with Love is I couldn't single-handedly the gypsy scene. That's all I'll say. No, no, but, yeah, we'll get into that. I mean, that, that's my favorite part of that movie. Thunderball is is in my top two. So I am pretty livid. Because um, <laughs> oh, I'm, well, I'm not a huge fan of From Russia with Love. I mean, it's in the top five or six for me. But uh, Thunderball, as far as... Anyway, we'll get into we'll get into what my other favorite. No, 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 no. This is this is your yeah. time. We we have a little I mean, bit of time. Give it. Give us a little. Give us a little. Last, Thunderball is uh, iconic. Statement on it. I mean, Thunderball is just an iconic film. It spawned so many parodies. Just the whole. I mean, it has the iconic idea of the Spectre Conference. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mixing up, I just I've watched a lot of James Bond recently, but the Electrocution. It's an awesome Spectre power Henchman. Yeah. yeah, well, so, so th- that and that and also I want to mourn briefly. I think a really fun one, though not safe for consumption necessarily these days, is "You Only Live Twice." Thunderball and "You Only Live Twice," I think, are the most just iconic Connery, like most easily parodied because they're so well because they're I don't know they the just Blofeld is a yeah, super villain Inspector Magic parodies down. every so those two I mean are just fundamental plus kudos to the choreographer on the underwater scenes that must have been revolutionary at the time having that many people underwater in scuba gear fighting with underwater cameras I mean I'm, I would like to know how many days it took to film that it, it might have been weeks on weeks on weeks even the scene where he's dancing with the Spectre villainess and just turns her to be shot. I mean, just there are just things that are just so zany. And I think it's the closest thing there is to Goldfinger that's not Goldfinger. But totally. we'll get more into that. It definitely plays on the great tropes, but takes some of them a little far. That that We'll get into Goldfinger and how they, it does it very it, well. It begins um, the long okay. love affair with that James Bond franchise has with Sharks. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's get now to the round of four, folks. Uh, Just a quick nod to Dr. No. That was the hardest for me. I think that's a great start to kick off the franchise. It's fun to watch. It's old. It maybe hasn't aged super well, but I think it's a real achievement in in the genre. Totally. Okay. Now moving on to the round of four. So let's go Casino Royale versus From Russia with Love. Craig and Connery. All right. Craig take it Connery. away. I think we should also just real quick, probably comes as no surprise, but just point out how many of these films are Connery and how impressive that is. 
Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, Connery and and Craig, uh, I guess, critic favorites for Bond. Roger Moore is is special in a lot of ways, but it's hard to deny just how much love the Bond fans, diehard fans, as well as casual fans have for both Connery and Craig. Okay, so let's get this showdown on the road. Casino Royale versus From Russia with Love. First off, I want to take Casino Royale on and, and offer some thoughts there. I think... Uh-huh. Casino Royale is probably one of the best reboots of any material ever done, period. There is no more deft hand than Daniel Craig. You're going to get a bunch of Christopher Nolan fans after you, but anyway. (laughs) I I think when... You watch out, the IMDb rankers will destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) they've, They've taken a series that was tired. It was worn out. It had been revived by Brosnan, but but not really. It wasn't quite on its last legs, but it just looked like it was from another era. And it it totally gave it a facelift. It put on this brand new sheen, this like very attractive debonair figure also could be taken seriously in a way that had never been the case before. And it was believable. And the whole movie is built around this super spy that's the most believable super spy we've ever had in the Bond genre. That was jarring for me, but also f- satisfying. I like I felt good that Bond had like matured into this Daniel Craig character that could fall in love with a sophisticated woman like Vesper Lind and like be kind of hoodwinked by her. Like that that whole thing was pretty impressive and I think makes Casino Royale easily one of the best Bonds of all time. I I think, just to piggyback off of what you were saying, it definitely ushered in a new era of Bond, which is pretty evident with all of Craig's films, for better or for worse. I'll say for better. I could support that. I mean, for me... and I support both. For me, it, it, it's it's Connery and Craig. However, I, I, I appreciate... I do appreciate the other four. Four? I, 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 I appreciate Dalton. I appreciate... Lazenby, I appreciate Roger Moore and Brosnan. Four, okay, I'm not crazy, right? No, I mean uh, the other four Bonds. I mean, uh, yeah. it, in some ways, the way they shook out were pitting bookends against each other. And there's so much that happened in between. I think we almost need to reference everything. Not everything that has happened in between, but just the evolution from Connery to Craig. I've sort of telegraphed my positions by my flash voting. I think you guys will probably know how I'm going to go in each of these because of how I flash voted. But I, I like one Connery and one Craig in these cases. I, I really do enjoy the serious turn that, that Casino Royale took. There's still, I mean, there's a cavalier zaniness that's like below the surface, but then that's being interrogated um, in Casino Royale. And we're kind of, it's it's interesting because it's a, it's a reboot and it's kicking off Bond's career as a trained, or at least as a licensed killer. But he's sort of like, it's like he's coming away from the previous multiple decades of kind of gallivanting about from woman to woman and, you know, leaving destruction in his path, but at the same time saving the United Kingdom and the world. And then he's, it's interesting because it's, it's a reboot and it's his first mission, but it, it in a way it's like, it feels like his 50th mission. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the film. So 
Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, throw, I'll throw this out there, stir the pot a little. From Russia with Love, watching it in preparation for this podcast, uh, which was, you know, I probably watched it for the 10th time. <laughs> I, for some reason, started to appreciate it for its scale. And I may be viewing this in a very particular light. But I view it as one of the smallest James Bond movies. No, that's right. It has a super awesome noir vibe in the beginning. I mean, throughout the whole film, but especially in the beginning, like that third man vibe running through the tunnels. But then it's just straight espionage, twists and turns on the Orient Express, almost Agatha Christie style. Yeah. (laughs) And and I, I love that for all the great things about Casino Royale, the ability to hold my attention on a train for a vast majority of a movie is very impressive. It, it also is, it's both the basis for a lot of films recreating scenes from it. And like you said, is also deriving some of its influence from other settings, such as, as you mentioned, Murder on the Orient Express. But, you know, the, the scene with the rats is so reminiscent of Last Crusade. They're, they're down oh, yeah. in a tunnel. The rats are all running around. It's just fantastic. There's this like... Well, there's a lot think, of that. That's Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones borrows from like the, the sort of, you know, Middle Eastern sidekick guide. And th- there's a lot of Indiana Jones totally, that comes from this. Totally. And, and, and number three is a kind of masochistic, bisexual... There's like a kind of very interesting character there that serves also as... I think Kate Blanchett's influence in some way for that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like they almost look the same if you if you look right. at it. So there's just weird connections to this movie that I had never noticed until I rewatched it for this particular podcast. And I think there's uh, just a one strange little fact about From Russia with Love. I recognized finally that Money Penny has no accent. She's Canadian. <laughs> It was I like it was. It, she I doesn't never have a British accent. She doesn't have a British. It's such a like light wow. accent, and I'd never noticed that. So there's just I have not either. Rewatching these bonds was was a revelation. It like opened new doors for me, and and I thought from Russia would love captured that as you said, Middle Eastern kind of orientalism that that is. I mean, a, the word is now dated as the movie is, but. But it's really captured beautifully in this film. Well, it's an Orientalism that's aged much better than the Orientalism of You Only Live Twice, which is like, You Only Live Twice. I feel like within 20 years, it will be banned from streaming services. And and that's not necessarily, I'm not lamenting that. This is one that is one that can survive. <laughs> Sorry, it's a weird thing to say. There's no, there are no, eye, there's no eyelid surgery or, or complexion changing. In that right, movie. right. Hair dyeing. Ha- which movie has the better villain? Hmm. Uh, Robert Shaw is is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. like the prototype for uh, what's his name in uh, you know Rocky Michael, Four. Michael Pence. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, every time I watch this now, it, it just reminds yeah, me of any, Drago, yeah. yeah, it's. I just kept saying no. I Robert Not Shaw was Robert Shaw is great in that of all of Connery's Bonds, this is the one that was the most subtle in its trope. So Robert Shaw is not this mustache twirling villain. He, with the whole espionage element of the film, he's having to 
be real suave in front of Sean Connery and, you know, convince him of who he is masquerading to be. Not masquerading, but (laughs) for those of you who don't know, there's a plot point where Bond is on the train meeting another operative and and Robert Shaw, who is a villain, kills said operative before Bond knows and he is assuming his identity and he does a phenomenal job. Well, and, and I mean, the direction, the writing and the direction also does a classic or maybe maybe even precedent setting job of establishing him as an extremely formidable adversary and someone who might kill Bond. And the way that happens is in the beginning with actually killing Bond in a simulation is maybe a bit over the top, but that it's James Bond. It's it's the James Bond franchise. So it's, I, I was even shocked. I, I mean, I know that there are more than two Bond movies, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, he just killed Bond. He killed Connery. What happened? And I, I mean, like there was like a half <laughs> a second where intro. I was like, what happened there? Even though, I mean, I know there've been two dozen since. So. Well, now on the flip side, we have Mads Mikkelsen as playing Le Chief. Yeah, also one of the what, best what are we, four Bond on villains. I mean. He's, he's a fascinating Bond villain because he's sort of like a tortured character himself so there's this like tortured gambler who i mean both literally and figuratively who is kind of stuck in the middle between these big players you can sense that mads mickelson plays that sort of victim villain very very well yeah and he's just got this like i don't know this look that is i I don't know how he's ever going to be able to play like a straight good guy leading man because he looks i don't know grim and like yes sinister and grim and sort of like like he wants to like hit the world in the balls if you know what i mean he's just got like (laughs) (laughs) nicely done nicely done i will say casino royale has one of the most underrated bond quotes um we might have to add that at the end of this podcast our favorite bond quotes. One of the best Bond quotes that always goes forgotten is the intro of Le Chief when he's playing the poker game on the boat and his eye starts to bleed. You know, he gives the the scientific reason as to why that's happening and then he puts the cherry on top and says nothing sinister. I love that line. I, I, you just you just pointed out, I, I just noticed this. In my view, four of the top five Bond villains are, are in these four films. Totally. Javier Bardem, I'm not so we'll get Agreed. into that. But I do think I'm adding in I like I like number two. I, I like Largo. I don't know if he comes in at five or four, but I think having better villains makes the best Bond films, and that's reflected in what we're seeing today. That's a great. That's a great oh, point. Boy, I think you could great. do an entire podcast on best Bond villains, dissecting and and frankly, villainous henchmen, John, <laughs> because you know odd job and that kind of and thing, odd job. Right? Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, one little tidbit is. From Russia with Love was the intro to Q as well, which is kind of fascinating because I had always, for some reason, thought about Q as having been from the get-go. But then you see Dr. No and you see just how scaled down the whole thing is and how intimate and personal that is. From Russia with Love is very similar. Sean Connery takes on an even more... You know, the, in Dr. No, he's this kind of, he's like finding his way as a, as a Bond. And that is part of the movie itself. But then in From Russia With Love, he's got more confidence and a little bit more of a kind of developing charisma that is on full display in some of his later films. <laughs> that, that charisma, which might be too much in, in the, latest, the latest of his films, which was, you know, obviously, as you described, Matt, possibly, you know, going the way of the Dodo on the streaming services. 
but he's just he's got this kind of like uh, rugged charm in From Russia with Love that comes across so perfectly well. And I love the interaction with Q. It like sets the whole totally, you know, yeah. How, how many great memories do we all have from the various scenes with Q all starting from l- let me let me stir the pot one more time, though. We congratulated from Russia with love on its on its scale and its precision and, and deft hand. But now we got to talk about Casino Royale and its amazing set pieces. Let's start from the beginning. That chase sequence on foot. Incredible. Incredible. The airport scene, the, the using, tenant scene, and amazing. Using parkour. Look, the intros for every Craig Bond are amazing. And the parkour scene is just, I had never heard of parkour. I saw that movie. And then I saw this I think guy. that was the things. first time we had seen it. On, it, it blew on my a, mind. In any Hollywood film. It, it was incredible. Um, it was something that like uh, revolutionized the way I thought of how the human body can like attack urban landscapes. It just blew my mind. And yeah, I mean, and, and Craig was more fragile in Casino Royale than other bonds. He got beaten up more. He's in jeopardy. He like, yeah. yeah. And you could, you could sense that throughout. And I, and I, one of the things from Casino Royale that, that was, I think, especially powerful for me was how little agency he had. In in so many of the other Bond flicks, Bond is basically like in charge. And even when he's not in charge or you think he's not in charge, he actually is. And he's kind of playing a double ruse. But in this film, he's constantly getting a lucky break. And those lucky breaks lead to him surviving and you know ending up in Lake Como and being able to say, I'm Bond, James Bond. If it weren't for Vesper Lind actually being in love with him, he doesn't survive. Like there's just so many points where Bond is surviving, not because of his complete skill, superhero skills, but because someone else or something fortuitous happens. And and to redeem Quantum of Solace, which I won't lament, um, I think Mathis, he uh-huh. goes, here we go. James, she died for you. <laughs> and I thought that was actually a really good Bond line. It's so melodramatic and very characteristic of the Craig films, but I was like, hey, yeah, actually, I felt something in that part, and I remember that now. Yeah. And that's another great thing about Casino Round. It's a serious. Evergreen movie. is Evergreen is one of the best Bond girls for sure. Oh yeah, totally. Okay, uh, it, closing statements before we we vote this away. You you guys have warmed me up to From Russia with Love a little bit. It's just of of the first oh. four Bond films, it's 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 my least favorite of the first four, but it's certainly in my top six or seven. But you know, I'm I'm thinking of it fondly because of your comments. Well, the before trains, Matt said that, I, I I didn't know where this was going. Aaron, you, what what you got? The train scene alone from Russia with love is worthy of putting it in one of the top Bond films of all time. It's just constructed and choreographed so well, and something. It's like there are so many movies within a movie in From Russia with Love that it's it's special. Totally. Okay. All right. We got to decide, Matt. Who do you got? Casino Royale. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. From Russia with love. From Russia with Love. Okay. I might have to say From Russia with Love on this one. From Russia with Love it is. Okay. On to our next showdown. Goldfinger versus Skyfall. Who wants to get it going? Goldfinger is a singular film. I mean, it is... It is... You can't... I don't think you can describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it. I mean, it is bizarre. Entertaining. Like, I would... even, Even with Bond... The Bond franchise, two films deep. I don't know if anyone could have guessed if they hadn't read Ian Fleming. Anyone would put out a movie with this particular plot arc and like these things happening. It, to quote James Bond from the film, I must be dreaming. 
I must be dreaming. That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> that, I think that might be the best Bond line of all time. I think we should all vote on who did that impersonation best. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard um, to, to do an impression of a, a Scotsman trying to speak like an Englishman when you're <laughs> not from the British. Well, <laughs> hey, here's a really interesting dynamic at play. Skyfall ends in the Scottish Highlands, which has got to be one of the all-time greatest shootout scenes ever filmed. It's just Kincaid with the Finney, like you you arrive and like suddenly there's this like kind of almost Braveheart-esque moment where you're like, oh, they're preparing for battle. I thought he might put blue war paint on. I didn't know what was going to happen. Skyfall. So I'll, I'll jump on the Skyfall wagon for this particular bit. But I, I think it fully embraces the Craig Bond in a way that actualizes what Casino Royale was, I think, intended to like lay the groundwork for. Casino Royale is this like Dr. No-esque Daniel Craig. It's like you're introducing him. It's it's really fantastic, but he hasn't fully assumed the role for me. He is he is this like I mean even the like kind of spiky hair thing he had going on. It was just like this kind of like early two um, yeah, and there was just something, he just wasn't fully, the cuffs didn't Realized. fit quite right. I didn't know. Yeah, Skyfall, it's like everything works. Yelling. Also, strangely, Craig's best bonds are when he's like, I'm leaving the service. Like, that's what he did with Casino Royale. That's what he does with Skyfall. He's like, I'm getting out. And as soon as he says, I'm getting out, you're like, this is going to be a great bond. I, mean, so every, I hope he does that for no time with that. One, one, third, one third of the Bond films have this. Lazenby has it, and so does um, Timothy Dalton for one of his. I mean, it's just like... I'm out. Like, okay. I like it in, in Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. He's like, I'm out. And then Money Penny's like, uh, he asked for two weeks. And then they immediately reassign him. And they're like, that, that plot line ends in five minutes. He, he yeah. was furloughed for a little bit of time. And then yeah, he went on vacation and <laughs> went to Blofeld's whatever pleasure palace. This is also another, I, one of those movies that has, like, takes inspiration from a lot of films. The scene where Raul Silva, the Javier Bardem villain, takes the piece out of his face is like straight out of Silence of the Lambs. There in a glass case it's very jarring and you're like kind of uncomfortable by it there's a serial killer-esque aspect to it i mean he's um, a great this, yeah i mean there's uh, this let me, let me, in the server room and the like touching of bond and this very sexual kind way. of homoerotic scene absolutely yeah let me get the pot going one more time i'm gonna throw a hail mary out here i'm gonna get some lambasting from both of you i'm sure I hope so. Javier Bardem, I forget his uh, what's his name? Oh, Silva, right? Silva. Silva, right. Best Bond villain. Now wait. He's not the most iconic. He doesn't have some of the best lines or the best scenes or all these great iconoclastic Bond things, but his character and his plan and his motivations and his backstory is the most real. If he only was able to say, no, Bond, I want you to die, it would be unarguable uh, for me. Let, let's, get the, let's get the damn quote right first. No, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. Guys, guys, <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, nah, I what's expect your you to die. Oh, good. Oh, Very I good. Expect, do you expect, yeah. do you expect <laughs> Goldfinger, do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die, which, by the way, is the best quote. That's better than pussy galore. You know, I must be dreaming. Oh, for sure. Two best quotes go in Goldfinger or Goldfinger, hands down, is the best Bond villain. But okay, I, I, but but Raul Silva is in my top. 
I was going to say five, but I'll say four. Okay. And the best, <laughs> and the best Bond song, hands down. Come on. Oh, for sure. It, the, the way that music, it is absolutely, I mean, Shirley Bassey is, there's something about her voice that is all I can think of when I think of Bond songs. She did three, like, three Bond songs. Yeah. I mean, she just, she captures rhythm that, that at the beginning of a Bond film needs where like the girls are, are like floating through the scene or like painted in that gold. I mean, it's just, it's I mean, a, she's uh, Soul. Yes. Yeah. She got the soul to it. Yeah. She, oh, no. I feel like I'm going into a nightclub. She's where Welsh. Is about I, I didn't realize she's Welsh. The pacing of Goldfinger is super deliberate. Everything is paced very well. There's no hurrying, and yet there's no scene that seems to be exaggerated or bloated. There's this great scene. I don't know, know if you remember it. The scene where him and Bond are sitting with the treasury figure, and they're talking, and M is like a little upset that Bond is interrupting him or, or having a comment at all around this treasury whoever he is figure they're like tasting some liqueur and bond is like clarifying why the liqueur is or isn't good i can't even remember whether it's good or bad but but i can you can see the look on him's face it's an unbelievable scene it's not really necessary but it's so well done that it captures something about Bond that's in that relationship that's really important. We can probably all agree that Goldfinger is probably the most iconic. Oh, Bond yeah. Film. I mean, for sure. <laughs> I think it's the intro of the DB5 as well. Is it? I think wow. so. I think before that, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. The, there's no DB5. And and of course, no, Odd, job, yeah. Odd Job uh, is... Most iconic it's, villain. <laughs> it's just like I mean, also guys. super random. Like, what's going on? Like, and, who decided? Also, yeah. also yeah. <laughs> uh, tidbit, he is now in prison in real life for killing someone, I think. He's actually a bad guy. He is a villain. I think he actually cut Statue's head off with his hat. Well, I mean, and also at the beginning, the, the classic scene that's reincarnated in True Lies where he gets out of the dry suit into the tux that is the like white tux with the black pants is incredible. It's like everything you want from Bond. It's all these scenes are like distilled into a mega Bond in my mind. All these classic scenes and and I see that when I think of Bond I see all of them in this like running series of single events. Well, so it, oh, yeah. it's, I think James Bond, in terms of the genre that James Bond established, it's one of the most parodied franchises, yet Goldfinger is this amazing parody of just business, law enforcement, everything, polite society. You're just the first 15 minutes, you're like, what's going on here? Like, there's this villain who's this chump, and he's just like looking at his cards. <laughs> but then like Goldfinger is probably the most formidable villain that Bond end up, ends up facing. And Bond doesn't have a plan. He just goes and like shows him Nazi gold and they like hang out. And then he's captured for like two thirds of the movie. But in the end, it does still he work all, out. It's also the one Bond film, James Bond pretty much saves the day in the most James Bond way possible by sleeping with Pussy Galore and convincing her to not poison these people, the guards in Fort Knox. And also when that is the most James Bond way to save the day. Just the scene also where they fall asleep and you're like, you think that he's killed all these people. They're just like, it's, it's so zany, but... That this movie set the world on fire with with Bond mania. I mean, it, it's just very unexpected. And and for me, my favorite part, and this might be really dumb, is when Bond pops up in the prison window and Connery keeps popping up in the prison window. The guess the guy goes in to check out of it, and then he 
attacks him. I mean, just, I think it takes a lot of, I don't know if it's courage or what, but something to have a scene like that in a film and be like, we're going with this with our, with our like super, super spy here. And he's just going to yeah. toy with this guard and, and we're, we're going all in. And, and, and look, no scene is more classic Bond than the crotch laser. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's the, the gratuitous, long form, multi-minute scale killing scenes of Bond that are so obnoxious. But it's handled so perfectly in this particular case. You're like, this is ridiculous. Just put a gun to his head. But in this case, you're like, I love it. Keep it going. Keep the banter going. Can the laser move back? a bit it's just amazing if, if you remove one of the greatest lines in all of cinema it is still one of the greatest scenes in bond but with the line do you expect me to tell you no i expect you to die and you're like <laughs> i i Wait. i cheered out loud i was like because i i had heard of that line but i guess i didn't realize it was coming right then i just was elated i don't know it was, it was really i don't know why i can't explain it it's uh, okay. close to home because Fort Knox. I mean, there's a, there's the America element, and I think that that I don't know at the time if that had any influence, but there was a lot more of like the American mix in this film. There's Miami. There's there's just a lot of of America in this film that isn't always present in Bond films. So it's probably at the time very easily digestible for an American audience. And his comment about the Beatles as well. I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Before we vote, I must just say the laser crotch scene does not hold a candle to when Sean Connery is in a spa and is doing a back massage and is connected by his ankles and his wrists and yes. is jerked forward and backward. I'm sorry, Goldfinger, you lose. I'm sorry <laughs> to you guys because you for you guys eliminating Thunderball. But anyway. Well, it, it's okay. reminiscent of that that exercise device that you do this with the, the shake weight down hand the shake weight, the, shake it's weight. The, it's the body shake weight <laughs> yes okay all right let's put this to a vote i will start on this one i mean i think i'm gonna come out of left field on this skyfall matt what it you is, got it is left field goldfinger <laughs> gold yeah finger. it's it's easy for me goldfinger goldfinger okay all right now Welcome we have a fair is. fight. We have a fair fight, Sean versus Sean. I think if I had my way, it was going to be Casino Royale versus Thunderball somehow. But anyway. I too thought it was going to be Casino Royale versus Thunderball. But so it goes. Okay. So now on to our final showdown. Goldfinger versus From Russia with Love. Connery versus Connery. I mean, let me dive into this by saying I think Goldfinger is more classic Bond than From Russia with Love. It hits all the notes that you want from Bond. All the quirky, zany gadgets, one-liners, pussy galore as a name. I mean, it just, it is not afraid of being Bond and it goes all the way and it's got the most iconic song. It's so good on so many levels. However... When I watch From Russia With Love, it's the bond I want. It's the bond that I like, I like really connect with. It's a little bit dirtier. It's a little bit grimier. It's a little bit more personal. And there's this sense that like, again, Connery isn't fully formed as Bond. And I prefer that version. No. I prefer that Dr. No from Russia with love version to the like fully assure of himself. Like I'm bond and I'll say whatever I want and I can get away with it. He actually has to restrain himself a bit. And I prefer that. 
Yeah, I will just piggyback on what you were saying. And I I prefer everything that you just described. One added element of this that I don't really see a lot in mini Bond films is this third party enemy. So it's usually just good versus bad. MI6 versus whoever the villain of the day is. And in this one, we have that added element of the KGB or or whatever they were called in that one. Like Smirch. 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 Um, But kept you on your toes the whole time. You know, twists and turns. It wasn't a simple double cross every time. It was, you know, there was more going on. What's nice here is the Russian Russian woman in this film is similarly believable to the Eva Green character. Yeah. Like you kind of like you identify her as a victim. There's a sense that she's a victim and that Bond knows it and that he really he's not afraid to slap her around literally in some cases. But at this but at the same time, he's like, I feel bad about what I'm doing. And you don't don't see that that, in a lot of the others. (laughs) You don't. And I guess that's one reason why it's good Thunderbolt did in advance. I, I, Anyway, <laughs> actual possible assault and thunderbolt. What are your What are your takes on the theme? So here, here's uh, the thing with From Russia with Love. What sours me on From Russia with Love is I think it's not necessarily that Robert Shaw dies too early, but the helic is it a helicopter when he's chased by planes? There are too it's 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 a little bit too much like the Return of the King. There are too many climaxes and epilogues. It's very taut. And I love it. It's grimy. It's gritty. You have almost this Park Chan-wook or or, or, or like Bong Joon-ho, like Snowpiercer old boy showdown with Robert Shaw. And then I bet it was exciting in 1963. And everything else aged well, except for like the Spectre guys coming after him in the plane. I don't mind like number three and like the foot dagger and, and, and kind of like, you know, the similar to Casino Royale Venice epilogue. I like that. I think that's that's exciting. I actually thought, like in Casino Royale, that you know his his love interest might die. And I saw this after Casino Royale, but I hate to let an action scene that was put in there probably to thrill early 1960s audiences derail me. But it, it just threw off the rhythm for me, and it was long. Yeah. And it was out of sync with the rest of the film. I think Robert Shaw might be one. He's certainly the best henchman, I think. But he might be one of the best overall. He might be the best villain. But he is the best. I said. I know I just said Goldfinger was but Maybe he might be the second best villain. But he's definitely the best henchman, I think. Um, he, he went too early or the movie went too long. I think you almost right. wish number three went first. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But but you know, I, I think you're right. But what offsets that, and I know you're going to agree with this, is just how spectacular Ooh, that gypsy scene is, <laughs> where the literally give us a brief rundown of that. I mean, this is like classic Bond culture exploration, where they've distilled this Romani culture down to belly dancing girls who are like fawning over this western male there's two there's two gorgeous gypsies like the the men the male gypsies look like they came out of like some like i don't know like prison in siberia but the females are just as beautiful as they come they're fawning over sean connery and they can't wait to literally marry him if he will just take them i know it's ridiculous but at the same time the way it was set up was almost it was designed to make these gypsies 
and I'm going to continue to use that word because it's the word they're using, look like victims. And and that was appealing to me, even though they trivialized and stereotyped the group. It was like they recognized that this marginalized group should be heroic in this scene and they should be bond saviors. There's a lot of that embedded in here. Like Kareem as like, I, I really Kareem, found that one appealing. of the best characters. I think. He's so good. And how many wives does he have? And is it, the whole thing is just like, from its period and yet at the same time ahead of its time and seeing that these, yeah. And seeing that these people are real people, they're not just like the stereotypes that are being portrayed, <laughs> but it, it, right. it somehow manages to do both. I, I think that would be a loss on a lot of contemporary audiences, audiences today. But if you watch, you only live twice and from Russian with love back to back, you can see the difference. Um, again, that might not penetrate sort of there. <laughs> there are a lot of things that from Russia with love that will trigger many people. I mean, I think there's a lot of depth there that, uh, whereas in like we only live twice, you have kitsch and and, and exploitation, but like for much with love, it's yeah, for much with I mean. Uh, it's it's interesting. We have two Istanbul films and then stop four. So I'm sorry yeah, that I, plane scene. That plane scene is throwing me off. That's the thing. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Goldfinger is such different beasts. These two movies are totally different, and it's amazing they came out a year apart. I feel like if you deconstruct Goldfinger into its component parts and you piece it back together, you realize oh, Goldfinger is like the perfect Bond. It's got everything. It's got all of it. And it's all stitched together. But the whole doesn't run as smoothly for me as from Russia with Love. They've captured everything. And yet I don't feel the heart of it the same way. Oh. And that just may be me and maybe my own biases. But there's there's like something. And again, the third man comment. Third man. Cameron is like, it just better has than, that. Better noir. than both of these movies. But anyway. Yeah. But it has that noir aspect that that is also classic from that era that doesn't really exist in any other bond that I can think of. Like all the rest are a little too flashy, a little too. So that was also appealing. I will say one thing uh, I don't want to lament, but Skyfall cinematography, we must make note of yeah. Roger Deakins. He brings that. It's not quite third man from Russia with love, but you know, he's playing with shadows. He's playing with silhouette. Anyway, fall, I, mean, I would, I would, if I'm going to watch a movie and enjoy my evening, I'm going to watch Skyfall. I mean, like, but I, like the cin- I, I'm a sucker for amazing cinematography and for, you know, 21st century thrills. There's, there's one I, I other will, thing about Sean Connery is the watchability. I can watch these bond films on repeat year after year after year and not be bored by them. They're clearly not the best films made. You know, they're clearly not the best cinematography. Even the screenwriting is not that special. If you consider it trying to hit all the notes it's trying to hit, it doesn't quite succeed on all of its efforts. And yet I can watch them on repeat. But I have a harder time watching the Daniel Craig's on repeat. I have to focus. I have to sit there and pay attention to what's happening or I'm not quite able to get it. I, you could start a Connery bond at like two thirds of the way through. And I'd be like, okay, I say, I got to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to catch some of these scenes because they're incredible. And then I'm going to walk away before it's even done. Cause I don't want to see the airplane scene where he chases him through the water. It's not that great. Like <laughs> I can do that. Sean, let, let's be real. Sean Connery is quite possibly the most charismatic actor I've ever seen. Like, I mean, he, his, his movies are just pure charismatic escapism. He holds, he fight. holds you. It, you know, they, they always talk about when when a person who's incredibly charismatic walks into a room, he like everyone sort of gravitates to that person. 
I know of no other bond that quite captures that. Like, Sean not Connery. true. I mean, he sleepwalks through uh, everything after Thunderball, including Never Say Never Again. It's still like I enjoyed Never Say Never Again. Yeah, I know it's out of canon, but oh, it's like it's totally. Sean Connery just like half awake, phony you know, man, rehashing yeah. an old plot, and it's still fun to watch. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, before we put this to a vote, any last statements or closing arguments? Yeah. Let's put it to a vote. I feel like I've argued. I've argued it as best I can. Okay. Okay. Aaron, you go up first. Yeah, it's from Russia with Love, as you could probably tell from my argumentation. All right. Matt? Maybe I'm a sucker. You two have pulled me far. I'm going from Russia with Love. I, I, I'm going to get, I'm looking past that that scene. Um, I also have a soft spot for Istanbul. Yeah. I, I too, am going to vote for from Russia with Love. Our first episode has a unanimous victory. After I voted against it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Sometimes in Bond, you only live thrice. <laughs> well done, sir. Um, that was exciting. I would anything? never, even on my own game board from Russia with Love, didn't win. But as we talk through this, it is my favorite Bond. It's interesting. It's a lot of people's favorite Bond. I never really got it. Now, I, I think I sort of get it. Yeah, I, I must say, From Russia With Love is on a lot of people's list as their favorite. But I am pretty surprised by this outcome. I could have sworn Casino Royale or Goldfinger was going to I thought it was going to be Casino Royale. That's, I mean, that's my favorite Bond. But, but... I mean, I yeah, you've you've changed me. Maybe maybe I'm so malleable and that I'm useless as a as a, as a judge here. You were the strong counter vote in multiple iterations here, so I, I think you've got you've got strong opinions, and, and I could have agreed with you. And th- just think, Thunderball was like Razor's Edge. I almost went Thunderball. This could have been Thunderball as the best Bond film. It's probably my second favorite Bond film of all time. Well, I want to thank you guys for weighing in. Y'all did an excellent job, Matt. You psychoanalyzed the shit out of this with the plane scene and and Aaron came in with interrupting bastardness. Thank you for um, sucking up to a sycophant. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> So, viewers, our next episode is going to be the Thunderdome of Walt Disney Animation in lead up to their next release, which is Raya. What's the name of this again, guys? Raya and the Last Dragon. The Last Last Dragon. Dragon. By the way, it looks like a, a beautiful, beautiful movie. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for the Bond Thunderdome. Tune in next time for Walt Disney Animation. Special thanks to David Huff for composing our theme song. And you can find us on Twitter at Tinseltown Thunderdome.